bet y'all can hear me on this one, right? <laughs> All right. Praise the Lord. I'm going to have to. <laughs> I'm going to have to. Um, if the wind picks up a little bit, I may have to do a little snatching and grabbing right here all right but that'll be all right i got to tell y'all a little story real quick before we get into uh, the message this morning uh, i got into my truck to come down here early this morning and my wife will appreciate this i had one of those big tall yeti cups with coffee in it and it was full and i did not have a lid on it it was just the cup and it was full of coffee and when i sat in my truck it don't fit exactly in the cup holder and when I sat down, I set it in there, and I reached to crank my truck, and the cup fell over and spilled the entire cup of the contents of that cup into the seat and all over my legs. And you want to talk about a fat man moving quick. Now, I'm telling you, I got out of that truck in a hurry. So uh, I, I'm used to snatching and grabbing stuff this morning. In case my pages want to turn, it'll be all right. We want to thank you for being here this morning. And uh, for those of you that have not been here or have not tuned in to uh, any of our stuff on, on Facebook or YouTube or Spotify or those things, the last three weeks uh, we've looked into the, uh, each of the three uh, gospel uh, accounts of what went on in the Garden of Gethsemane uh, after uh, the Lord uh, and the disciples had the Lord's Supper. They celebrated the Passover. And right before he was betrayed. And we looked at each uh, recorded verbal account and, and each description of Jesus' posture of prayer. How they were different and how they're exactly the same. I don't know if you noticed, but some, uh, some parts of it, especially the verbal things, they're exactly the same. And today we're going to conclude these uh, look-ins, if you will, with the Gospel of John, the last of the Synoptic Gospels. The only problem is in the Gospel of John, the only thing recorded about the events in the garden or the arrest or the betrayal and the arrest of Jesus. So you may be sitting there in your car this morning and you're going, what in the world are you going to talk about, preacher? I could talk about the fact in chapter 18 and verse uh, 6 uh, where the authority of Jesus' words, I am he, physically knocked his arresters backwards and down on the ground. And believe me, I love that because I can kind of uh, uh, imagine it, picture it in my mind where uh, uh, Judas and, and, and the arresters are coming in there and they, uh, they, he asks the question, whom do you seek? And they say, Jesus of Nazareth. And Jesus responds with the words, I am he. And the Bible tells us that they withdrew backwards and fell down on the ground. Can you, uh, can you just imagine the authority uh, that, that are in our Lord's words? Now, I could stand here and preach and talk about that, but I'm not. I want to look briefly this morning at a couple of blocks of text uh, in chapter 17. I'd love to go through all of chapter 17, but we don't have time for that. And the events right here in chapter 17 are taking place in the upper room. 
Immediately before Jesus and his disciples departed the upper room and and crossed over the brook Kidron, the Kidron Valley, we talked about that last week, and right before they went into the garden in the first uh, verse of chapter 18, it says, when Jesus had spoken these words, he went out with his disciples over the brook Kidron and where there was a garden. We're going to talk about what happened just prior to that. We're going to look at chapter 17, and I'm going to read uh, through the first five verses of chapter 17, and and we're going to skip to begin reading in verse 20 and read the rest of that chapter. So let's begin, if you have your Bibles, turn to John chapter 17. And it says this, Jesus spoke these words lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son, that your Son may also glorify you. As you have given him authority over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as you have given him. And this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God in Jesus Christ whom you have sent. I have glorified you on the earth, and I have finished the work which you have given me to do. And now, O Father, glorify me together with yourself, with the glory which I had with you before the world was. Now look down to verse 20. He says, I do not pray for these alone. He's describing uh, the disciples whom he had just got through praying for. Now he's talking about us. I do not pray for these alone, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they all may be one as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that you sent me and the glory which you gave me I have given them that they may be one just as we are one. I in them, and you in me, that they may be made perfect in one, and that the world may know that you have sent me, and I have loved them as you have loved me. Father, I desire that they also whom you gave me may be with me where I am, that they may behold my glory which you have given me, for you loved me from the foundation of the world. O righteous Father, the world has not known you, but I have known you, and these have known that you sent me. And I have declared to them your name and will declare it, that they love with which you loved me may be in them and I in them. Father, thank you once again for our time here together. Father, we're so thankful for your word, Lord. God, I ask that you be with us, Lord, as we read it, Lord, as we expound upon it. God, I ask that you move me out of the way. Father, that you would fill my head with your wisdom and my mouth with your words, that you may be glorified here this morning. For it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Now, I know we skipped a section of uh, chapter 17 there, but for the sake of time, I want to look at these first two blocks of text right here. Uh, In the previous three or four chapters here of John, the apostle, he gives us an in-depth look into the words and into the action and into the teaching of our Lord Jesus in the upper room after the Passover, after the Lord's Supper had been partaken of. 
And just as we learned last week, uh, as Mark uh, throughout his gospel spoke of the humanity of the Son of God, John's uh, focus is primarily on the divinity, the divine nature of Christ, the God-man. In this 17th chapter here uh, that we've read two blocks of text from is generally uh, referred to, uh, we've got to remember here that Jesus is praying. And this uh, part, or this 17th chapter rather, is, is often referred to as the great intercessory prayer or the high priestly prayer of Jesus as he is according to Hebrews Chapter 4, verses 14 through 16, he is our high priest. Praise the Lord for that. Now, I want you to notice here, as we begin to look through this, uh, uh, notice his posture of prayer here recorded in verse 1. It says that he is lifting up his eyes to heaven. You know, we read in the other Gospels where he would be falling down on the ground. He would be on his face. He would be kneeling. And I want you to notice his posture right here. It says he's lifting up his eyes to heaven. Jesus is looking up into heaven. Can you picture that? I know all of you have seen those paintings of Jesus uh, praying in the garden where he's kneeling down by that rock and he's looking up. Looking somebody in the face is, uh, is an indication of confidence. It is an indication of honesty. You know, I think about my, my kids when they were little. They don't do it so much anymore, but when they were little, they would be looking up into their daddy's face. Just so honest, just so innocent. When we think about that posture, when we think about that image, uh, it is indicative of an open and a trusting relationship. He's looking up to his father. This position of prayer uh, reflects, as Jesus said in uh, the Beatitudes, one who is pure in heart. I believe y'all would agree that Jesus was pure in heart. Amen. The divine son gazing up into the face of his holy father. This posture reveals where our help comes from. In Psalms uh, 121, the psalmist uh, asks the question. He says, where does my help come from? And then he answers it with my help comes from the Lord. Y'all believe that? If you do, just wave at me like that this morning. Amen. It shows that we are putting our hope in Him and waiting on Him. It displays confident faith. Before Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead, I love this story and. In John chapter 11, before Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead, he prayed, and Scripture tells us that he was looking up into heaven when he prayed. And he went to the tomb and he said, Lazarus, come forth. Y'all know why he said Lazarus? Said Lazarus, then come forth. 
is my Lord has authority in his speech. Had he not pointed out Lazarus, had he just walked up to this, uh, these tombs, this graveyard, and said, come forth, I'm telling you, graves would have been busting open everywhere. He just wanted Lazarus to come out. That's a joke for y'all. But he displayed an intimate relationship with the Father there and here as he's looking up into heaven. You are the Father, and I am your Son. Look at verses 1 and 2 here, the rest of verse 1, after it says that he, he lifted his eyes up to heaven. It says, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son, that your Son may also glorify you. The cross is oftentimes uh, linked so many times in Scripture, numerous times rather in John's Gospel, the word glory is linked with the cross. The word glory is the root word of the word glorify that we see here in this Scripture. You see, the completion of the mission of the cross was to present the gift of eternal life to all flesh and bring glory to the Father and to the Son. But the word glorify here in this first verse as we read it, it goes beyond the way that it is usually used. In glorifying God here, uh, the, the Greek word doxaso literally means to make known. Jesus' life. And his soon impending death as it was coming did just that. Jesus glorified God by finishing uh, the work that his father gave him to do. He made a way for us to know God. You see, his death on the cross uh, reconciled back us back to God. It allowed us to know God. It made him known to us in that he was glorified. Look what he says down here in verse 3. Uh, he refers, he used the language here, the only true God. Only the true God through his son Jesus can provide eternal life. This title, only true God, is not found anywhere else in John's gospel. It's used here to differentiate him from the false gods. You see, uh, at this time, there were many false gods. Today, there are many false gods. They just come in a different shape and form. Amen? I think about the Egyptians right here when we talk about false gods. Uh, if you've ever watched any history shows where they excavate these tombs, you'll find these real elaborate tombs for these Egyptian kings, these Egyptian pharaohs, and they'll have their pets and they'll have their servants and they'll have some of them I even saw they had a boat, a boat disassembled and placed in the tomb with them to carry them on to the afterlife. They had their servants there to, to, to tend to them and to care for them and to wait on them in their afterlife. You see, these Egyptians worshipped all kind of gods. They worshipped the sun and they worshipped a god of death and I, they might even worship cats, I don't know. 
But the point is they worshiped, worshiped all kinds of gods. I want to tell you something, folks. There's only one true God, and that's who Jesus is talking about, or the, uh, Jesus is talking about as he's praying, as John has written about. There's only one true God that can provide eternal life. If you're placing your trust in something besides that one true God, you're going to be like this Egyptian right here. Uh, there is going to be no afterlife. All you're going to be is an archaeological dig. Amen? There's only one. It is Jehovah God. This is also the only scripture where Jesus refers to himself with the name Jesus Christ. Christo in the Greek, which means the anointed one, the Messiah. Jesus refers to himself by that name. Let's look at verses 4 and 5 right here real quickly. I have glorified you on the earth. I have finished the work which you have given me to do. And now, O oh Father, glorify me together with yourself with the glory which I had with you before the world was. Now, if we read back in Scripture in the Old Testament, we see uh, that it says that Moses reflected God's glory like a mirror. When we think about a reflection, we think about a mirror. But Scripture here is telling us that Jesus is glorified with God. He is divine. He is deity. He is the Son. He's not a reflection. He's identified with God throughout Scripture. And in his life and in his death, he has revealed both the identity and the nature of God. His existence was before all creation, and it is forevermore. Amen. You believe that? I know we're going to scripture, uh, uh, skip over right here where he prays for the disciples, and we're going to go right here where he prays for the believers. Y'all know who the believers are, right? Amen. Let's look real quickly here in verse 20. He says, I do not pray for these alone, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. You see, Jesus is not only... He, which he did pray for the disciples in the previous verses. He's, he's, as he's praying, he's saying, I'm not just praying for the disciples, but also for the ones who will believe. Who will believe. He's praying right now, and there was an old boy back in 1983 who would believe Jesus is praying for me, and he's praying for you right here. I think about when I, uh, as I was reading this, I think about the song, when he was on the cross, I was on his mind. We used to sing that song, recorded it, had the pleasure to sing that at my Uncle Nelson's funeral. When he was on the cross, I was on his mind. Now, I'm going to tell you what, that is a comforting, comforting thought right there to think about that. But I want to tell you something, folks. You were on his mind way before then. 
In fact, as he's praying right here before he even went to the garden and was betrayed, he is praying for you. You are on his mind. Let's look in verse 21. He says, as we conclude verse 20, he said, For those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one as you, Father, are in me and I in you. Jesus here is praying for each believer to abide in the same unity that exists between he and his Father. You see, that allows for the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, thereby forming a oneness with God. Paul wrote in Galatians chapter 3 and verse 28, he said this, Neither Jew nor Greek, nor slave nor free, nor male nor female, we are all one in Christ Jesus. You see, the ultimate result of that unity, that unity that we have uh, through with God, through the Lord Jesus Christ, through the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, that unity that we abide together in Him as a body, together, the world will see it. Do y'all believe that this morning? How do you think that reflects a, 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 is reflective to a world uh, when we can't when 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 the church can't get along when they fight over every little thing under the sun? You see, when the world sees that unity, they will see Him. And they'll believe. Look at verse 22. It says, And the glory which you gave me, I have given them that they may be one, just as we are one. Jesus is speaking prophetically here concerning the glory that all believers will one day receive. You see, I'm looking forward to that. You see, when we when we die as a believer, when this old fat body here dies, you know, I, I got to share this real quick. I went to the doctor the other day, and he told me some good things. I even shared it on Facebook. But he told me I needed to lose weight. I'm fat. <laughs> I'm fat. But praise the Lord, one day, according uh, to this word right here as a believer, I'm going to have a glorified new body. I ain't going to be old fat boy no more. But all of that is only because of Jesus' work on the cross and because he was resurrected from that tomb. Let's look at verse 23. He says, I in them and you in me that they may be made perfect in one and that the world may know that you have sent me and have loved me as you have loved me. Jesus here is praying for all believers to be perfected. Do y'all know what that means when he says perfected? That all believers would be completed through him. One body under one head, quickened or made alive by one Holy Spirit. 
Verses 24 through 26 here uh, in the closing moments of his prayer. Jesus asked those who believe to be with him that we might see him in his glory. The glory that existed even before time began. I think about a song I used to love. It's called We Shall See Jesus. And part of the lyrics of that song is it says, We shall see Jesus just as he is. Amen. Don't you look forward to that? Amen. <laughs> we shall see Jesus just as he is. He's saying, Father, the world doesn't know you, but I do. But these that believe will know that you sent me. He's saying here, Father, I will continue to make your name known through those who believe so that the love that you showed me will be in them. In fact, I really like this. In fact, I will be in them because of the infilling of the Holy Spirit. This conclusion as we read uh, this whole 17th chapter is Jesus praying. Before he goes into the garden and before he is betrayed, he prays for himself, he prays for his disciples, and then he prays for us. And as we read his last words here in this prayer as he's praying, uh, this conclusion is confirmation that the presence of Jesus dwells permanently in those who have surrendered their lives to him. He will not leave us alone. He will not leave us forsaken. But he will be in us forever. I said that to say this. You know, uh, uh, we, we, we've been spending a whole lot of time at the house. Can't really get out. And if you turn on all these updates that you see on the news or on social media or whatever, those numbers for the people that are contracting this sickness and this um, virus, those that are dying continue to escalate. People are, can't go to work. And they begin to wonder, what in the world are we going to do? I don't know what to do. What if I get sick? What if my mom or daddy gets sick? I've learned that some very dear friends of mine have contracted this and are very ill. But the point is that, well, the point I'm trying to make, in, make here is that 
uh, people will become concerned and they'll become looking around at different things, trying to figure out how in the world are we going to get through this? I don't know what to do. Well, I'm going to tell you, if you're a born-again believer, the creator of the universe lives right here. And this book right here is full of scripture where he tells us, don't be afraid. Trust me. You know, we're blessed that we're having a little time alone uh, at our homes and, and to be with our families and even, even to yourself. Spend time with him. Read his word. Miss Sandra Walker put a post on Facebook the other day. Uh, people said, well, I don't hear from God. I don't know what, I don't know what he's trying to say. Open this. Pray and open this. The creator of the universe lives in here. And this world is in the palm of his hand. It is all subject to him. Would you pray with me? Father, we're thankful this morning, Lord, once again. Lord, I can't tell you thank you enough. Lord, you've shown yourself in so many ways over the last few days, Lord. As you've led us, Lord, to share your gospel with people. Lord, to minister to people in ways that we're not accustomed to. Lord, we're reminded that you're sovereign. Lord, we're reminded of your wisdom. Lord, we think we know how to do everything. Lord, but we've been reminded that we don't. We don't have all the answers. Lord, but you do. Lord, we're thankful this morning that your son completed his mission on the cross. Father, that makes this possible. Lord, it makes it possible that I can approach your throne and pray. God, I ask if there be one here this morning, Lord, in their vehicle that doesn't know you, Father, that you would draw them with your Holy Spirit. Lord, that they would accept this, this free gift according to us, this free gift. Lord, we know your son paid the price, but for us it's free. Lord, that they would accept this free gift of salvation. God, I ask that you be with our church, Lord, in the days to come. Lord, that you would be ever-present in their mind, Lord, that they would stay in the word, Father, that they would pray. Lord, and when the opportunity comes together like this, or Lord, or gather and worship virtually, Lord, that they would be eager to do so. Lord, that they would long to be with you. God, I love you, and I thank you. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. I want to tell you all, if you here this morning we can't have an altar call in the traditional sense but i want to tell you my phone is always on my office is always open if you need somebody to pray with you i'll be there all you gotta do is call me all the rest of you i love you now i gotta give a little 
instruction here before we leave. Uh, that way we don't have any wrecks here in the parking lot. <laughs> I want to tell you, you're not in a big hurry because ain't none of the restaurants open. So if the folks in the back, when you get ready to leave, if y'all would go first, uh, if you need to, to, to stop by the Mickey's Offering Bucket over there, that's what we're going to call it, Mickey's Offering Bucket. <laughs> if you need to stop by there, you can just drop it in. But please, please, please uh, proceed with caution as you leave. Uh, be friendly to your neighbors. Let them go first. <laughs> But having said that, you are all dismissed in Jesus' name. God bless you. We'll see you here next week, all right?